Good morning Faith Life, it's so good to be with you again on this wonderful Sunday morning. Uh, we're heading towards freedom, we're heading towards life. Uh, you know, just keep your eyes open for our, our plans that are coming up as we head towards some more widespread physical meetings and where we go on from there. We'll be telling you some stuff about that over the coming weeks. But this morning we're just uh, again joining you online. Thanks so much to uh, our amazing worship guys. Uh, just it's so good each week to see everybody on there to see the worship to enjoy the worship uh, to be brought into the presence of God and thanks Dee and Joe for the communion for the offering uh, it's just a, a real pleasure isn't it just to see so many people from from the church family uh, so we, we're going to be carrying on this morning with our message series on good news for bad times so uh, if you haven't already done so, open your Bibles. We're going to 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 and we're going to be beginning at verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. But just before we do that, I just want to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for, for this, this wonderful church family that it's such a privilege to be able to serve and be part of. And I just thank you for everyone in it, Lord that you are working in their lives, that you are bringing about your plans for their lives. And I just thank you that they are plans for good, plans for favour, plans for blessing and plans to bring life. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. For he would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. OK, so I'm going to try and unpack that for you this morning. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. Um, just starting with those first words, really, that, that those words, finally then, finally then. Well, you know, when somebody says finally then and, and you look at it and you think, well, that's the middle of a letter. Uh, what's so final about this? But what he what he's actually saying is he's kind of uh, the, the the words used there, the language used there. Are, um, he's kind of, what he's trying to bring out is why. So why have I told you all the things I've already told you? So he's bringing to a conclusion where the areas and the passages that we've looked at in previous weeks, and he's saying, and and the original language means for an end result. In other words, this is the sum of what I've said, or to sum it all up. And what he's going to do is something that's fascinating. He's going to turn on its head the things that he said in the previous week and look at it from a different perspective. Because what he's going to ask this question, OK, I've talked about how you can be healthy inside. But how do you actually know that you are healthy inside. What does it feel like? What does it look like? How can you tell whether you are going towards health or you are going backwards? 
to kind of simplify it, he's, he, what he's talking about is spiritual integrity. Uh, and that, by that I mean that this is what it looks like to be a healthy uh, body of believers. Where the actions match the words. Now when you look up that word integrity, uh, it surprised me actually what, what it does mean because we kind of use it in lots of different contexts. But integrity means to be whole and undivided. It's the state of being whole and undivided. And I was, I was thinking about that and praying about that and uh, God just dropped this question into my spirit. He's, and, and it was kind of an off the wall question, if you, if you like. It, it came from nowhere. And he said, Mark, why do you think the church is making so little impact in this nation? And here's the thing. Now, I have, I've got lots of stock answers on that and uh, lots of, uh, you know, different ideas on why that might be. But I said, Lord, why do you think that is? And he said, well, you know, and it's funny how this happens. He said, I want to bring to mind something you read a long time ago, and I, I don't even remember reading this, but, but this is, he, he was, it was in relation to a story where somebody asked this question, same question, why do you believe the church is making so little impact in our land? And somebody answered this question, and this was the answer, and it tied in, it just went straight to the heart of what God was talking about in terms of living a life that is whole and undivided. And uh, this person who answered the question said, we don't make an impact because the trouble is we live fragmented lives. We live fragmented lives. That means, you know, we, we do some good things. We give some of our income. Uh, we attend church most weeks and we do some things in our church. But the truth is that our lives are busy and generally untouched by our faith. In other words, we get along most of the time pretty well without ever, ever having a reference to our faith and walking in faith and, and paying attention to what God is saying to us as individuals and as a body. And, and I said, God, what, what do you want me to do with this? And he, and he took me to this passage and he said, I just wanted you to, to tell people exactly what I've said in this passage. So that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. And, you know, when we, when we come to a passage like this, remember that what he's been talking about is how you can be healthy inside. And we need to be healthy in here so that we can be whole out there. So that how we uh, are inside is not dependent on what's going on around us in the world. Because if you remember, we're, we're pilgrims, we're sojourners, we're aliens in this world. We, we are part of a, citizens of a different kingdom and we're just passing through. And so when we're looking at how we live in this world, what God's saying is that, that whatever's going on around you, however unhealthy the world is, and we, I think most of us would agree that it's pretty unhealthy at the moment, um, and it's not actually getting any better, that nevertheless you can be healthy inside. And if you're healthy in here, you can be whole out there. So what does it actually look like to be whole out there? And, and that's the question that I was, I was asking God. And um, what he did is he was at this moment, he, he helped me to understand that what Peter's doing here is flipping the question on its head. 
And so you flip that question on its head for me and, and the corollary of what I just said that you can be healthy in here so that you can be whole out there is that if you are not whole out there, it tells us or it gives us a warning that our soul is not healthy in here. What we are and how we live out there should be a reflection of the health of our soul. So let me just say that again. If you are not whole out there, it's a sign and tells you that your soul is not fully healthy in here. And so what, what we're going to look at is five pointers by which we can tell or gauge the health of our souls. And, and this is just a real, if, if you'll go with me on this, this is just tremendously freeing and tremendously powerful. But here's, here's the fi first of the five pointers. Um, the five health pointers that are going to show us if we're healthy in here by looking at what we appear and the actions we take out there in an unhealthy world. So looking at, at almost like ourselves from the outside and looking back in. And when I'm talking about this, I'm going to interchange between a healthy body or a healthy church family and us as healthy individuals because the two are one and the same. And whilst we might not always acknowledge that or see that in the way we go about church these days, the truth is that, you know, we all know simple things like the churches and the building and, and so on. But the truth is that the church is only as healthy as the individual members in the church. And that goes both ways. Individuals living healthy produce a healthy church. And a healthy church can help individuals live healthy. And that's part of what I'm trying to do with this series. Helping us to live healthy in here so that we can be whole out there. And in doing that, we look at some of the pointers that our life is showing out there to assess how healthy we are in here. Hopefully that kind of makes sense. So what's the first of those pointers? Well, here it is. Be of one mind. Be of one mind. Now, it's easy then to, I think when we read sentences like that, we can go off very easily a tangent and, and try and do all sorts of activities about trying to get different churches to come together to do different things. Now, I'm not being negative about that. I'm not being positive. About that. I'm actually not commenting on that. But what the, the, that's because that's not what this is talking about here. It's not talking about us all having to disagree. Sorry, all having to agree on everything so that we can be more effective. The word used there is a Greek word. Homophron, and it's made up of two words, homos, which means one and the same, and fren means disposition. So it's one and the same disposition. And, and that, that's what it's talking about here. So the idea is this isn't about denominationalism. It, it's not uh, because at the time Peter's writing, there are no denominations. There's just one church. There's just the, the, the local bodies of believer that he's planted and Paul's planted and the other apostles are planted. But there's just one church. So he's not talking to a denomination or trying to get denominations to come together. That, that isn't in his head. This isn't about denominations. Nor is it about watering down doctrines or walk, watering down our beliefs so that we can all get along together at a sort of lowest common denominator 
and hope that by doing that things will get along a lot better. What he's doing is he's writing, if you remember, to churches that he's helped plant. And he's saying, hey, you guys, do you remember that I told you some things? And here's the things that I'll just bring you to mind. Here's the things I told you. When the, everything around you is unhealthy, this is what you do. You get your head on straight. You put God first and you put your trust in God. And you walk in love and you honour and you submit and you love others so that when you do all that, people see God because they see God in you. And that will bring glory to God because they will be drawn to him. Because when people see God, he is irresistible. And then he, and then he goes on and, and basically what he's saying is this, well, having told you all that, well now, have that singleness of heart and purpose amongst you. Because that's the way you affect the world around you. Have concern for those who don't know God and have concern for God's glory. What, what, let me just pull that back slightly and, and try and explain it. He's saying if you'll do the things that I've talked about, automatically people will be drawn to God, he will receive the glory and people will see how God and God's ways are very different to the ways they're living in and that they are attractive. So when he's saying have this, this uh, one and the same disposition, he's saying remember the mission. The mission is to put Jesus at the centre so that people see Jesus. So live your lives in such a way that when all this turmoil around you, you've got your head on straight, you are putting God first, you are putting your trust in God, you are walking in love, you are honouring others, you are honouring the authorities, you're honouring the government and you're loving your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and that will bring about the mission because you have shown Jesus is the centre of the mission. You know, we can have any vision statement we like, we can have any mission statement we like, but if the world does not see Jesus in us as a body and see Jesus in us as individuals, we failed in our mission. So that's what Peter's saying. He said, this is how you go about the mission. The mission needs to stay centre. And remember, for the mission to stay centre, Jesus needs to stay centre. And then he goes on and he makes a second statement, which is just uh, the second health factor. Having compassion for one another, love as brothers and sisters. Now, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because when I first read that, I just immediately leapt to those words, love as brothers and sisters. And the, the, the thing is there, because I love talking about a family of God where we love each other and which is rooted and grounded in love. You know, that, that's, that's our core, that's a core value that we have. So I want to talk about love and I want to talk about, all, you know, how to love each other and how to walk in love and, and loving those that you struggle to love because you let God love them through you. And, and you know, when I talk about those sort of things, that gets me excited and that gets Cheryl excited and hopefully it gets you excited too. And you think, yeah, that's that's something I want to be part of. That's something I want to contribute to. That's something I want to live out. And, and so I jump to those words, love, but actually he doesn't just say love one another. He says, 
have compassion and love your brothers and sisters. And so the two go together. Now that word, um, uh, when he says have compassion, it's a translation of a word which means feel with or to feel alongside or to feel what the other person's feeling. And uh, I think in writing this, he's thinking about Jesus and he's thinking about some of the things he knows about Jesus. Because you remember, what we need to do is have Jesus at the centre. So what, 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 what did I see in Jesus and what do we have in Jesus now that allows us to, to feel with, to have compassion and to love one another in, in this, this special way as the body of Christ? And I think he's, he's thinking at that time about some of the things that Jesus said and some of the things that, that, that they've been preaching about Jesus. And, and one of the things we really know about our incredible saviour, this, this God who we serve and who we follow and we give our lives to, one of the amazing things we know about him is that he's not a distant God. He's not somewhere out there that you have to plead and shout and try and get his attention. But he's a close God. He understands exactly what you're going through right now. And he always understands everything you go through and that you've been through. And he wants to walk you through, past that, beyond that, to something new. And so, you know, one of the things that they were preaching and, and we know is that Jesus was uh, touched with the feeling of our infirmities that he went through all the things that we struggle with that we're challenged with that we find hard that we find painful that we find hurtful he, he suffered shame he, he took our shame he took our rejection he took our pain he took our sicknesses he, he bore the burden of our guilt he, he he, he, he brought all those things together and he was touched by them. He wasn't like remote from them. He wasn't like some sort of Teflon guy where it all flooded off. It caused him pain. He grieved over us. And so we have this personal God and uh, he gets alongside us. Now, having said that, this isn't just a negative word. It's not just a negative uh, thing that, that, that's been said here because that that to feel with is also about feeling our joy. It's also about enjoying our good times. It's also about feeling our happiness. It's also about rejoicing with us. It's also about praising with us. Jesus is intimately involved in every part of our life and the Holy Spirit is alive in us, bringing life to, to us right now. So it's it, in, in our best times, the Holy Spirit is there. In our worst of times, the Holy Spirit is there. Up or down, happy or sad, the grace of God never changes that is available to us. And so God is right with us, intimately involved in our life. And when we look at it like that and we say, OK, God, so how do I reflect that? How do I reflect that for your glory? And we see this that, and it just kind of like dropped into to place. It just kind of fit together. The only way you can do that, the only way you can live that out is as family. And to treat each other as family. That's why he uses those words brothers and sisters. He doesn't use congregational member or have you been through our membership course or any of those sort of things. He calls us brothers and sisters 
because he's interested in us living out a life of compassion, of, of feeling with alongside each other, rejoicing, uh, facing the joys and facing the challenges together. And the only way you can do that is family and to treat for us to treat each other as family. And we can't wait for a church to organise that because churches can't organise family. And yeah, you can be dad or mum or whatever. But it, to be a family that is of one mind, it needs everybody to be and contribute to the path of the family. So we help the one who is in front of us, not always thinking, well, let the church sort it out. We help the one in front of us as family. But here's, here's the kind of flip side of that. Church, the body, meeting together as a body, is so important because it's only if church meets together as family that it functions well. Now, I, I was pondering that and I was thinking, God, like, what are you saying? And, and he's saying, well, maybe that's something we need to learn from this period that we've been through in, in, the, in the last year, that when we built church on other values, and other goals, we've forgotten that family and being family together is the most important thing and is the only real reflection of church. And so, you know, being challenged by that, I, I then thought, well, you know, what, what's Peter thinking when he's saying these words? And, and this is what, what I believe he's thinking. He's thinking, well, I remember what Jesus said. And, uh, you know, if you want to look this up, I think it's John 13, uh, 34, 35. Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples because you have loved one for another. And Jesus is saying, this is, the, the, I'm giving you another commandment that goes alongside the two, the, the two big ones of love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength and all your soul and love your neighbour as yourself. And I'm giving you another biggie and I'm grounding it in this idea with of church as family. And the idea is this, that when people see how much you love each other, look out for each other, um, stop for the one in front of you and help each other, then people will know you are my disciples. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. And it, and it just struck me that people don't know we're Jesus' disciples because we've got great doctrine. They don't know we're Jesus' disciples because we've got great video production. They don't know we're Jesus' disciples because we've got a big building. They don't know we're Jesus' disciples because we do great music. They don't know any of that. What they're looking for, people who don't know Jesus, are looking to see is do you guys actually love each other? Do you look like Jesus in the way you relate to each other? And that's kind of the, the second thing, isn't it? That, that tells us whether our soul is really healthy or not. Do we in practice actually love each other? Not just like saying, well, the church needs to love each other, but do we actually love each other? And does that result in us doing something with that? So that, that's the second thing. And then he goes on to a, a third thing. I'm going to switch to the, the amplified version now. Um, and I'm just picking it up again at verse 8. Uh, finally, all of you be like-minded, united in spirit, sympathetic, that's compassionate, brother, brotherly, kind-hearted, that's compassionate and 
courteous and compassionate towards each other as members of one household and humble in spirit. So what do we have there? We have the, the third thing that we, we look for, which shows on the outside to tell us how healthy we are inside. Are we humble in spirit? Now, let me unpack that a little bit for you. You know, we might think we're, we're pretty good at being good Christians. And we look around us and we think, well, compared to others, uh, we, we're doing better at our Christianity than they are. Now, there's a problem with that, that when, when we start thinking like that, whilst that may or may not be true, compared to Jesus, our flesh is miles off. Our flesh is nowhere near the standard of Jesus. And, and that brings us to this point of, of realising that when we look at Jesus, we need to be humble. What do I mean by humble? I mean this, let, let me think, let, think of it this way. Being humble means living in dependence on him instead of dependence on self. The, knowing everything that we have comes from him. Trusting in him for not our own righteousness or performance. And, it, and it's knowing that everything we have comes from Jesus. So how do you know if you've got that type of humility? How, how do you see it? How do others experience that sort of humility in you? And, and you can tell by some of the, if you, it's kind of almost like if you step out of your life and you look at yourself from the outside and you listen to the things that you're saying, do you boast about your accomplishments? Do we big up our ministry achievements? Do we put others down and big ourselves up? Are we critical of others? Do we try and, and criticise others in order to draw others to ourselves by giving the impression we know better? Do we think of ourselves as better than others? And, uh, you know, I was kind of going through all, the, all these, these thoughts and I realised, you know, I think the biggest... Um, battle we have in the church today is not with the world outside the church it's with pride in the church not with the world outside the church but with pride in the church and pride in ourselves and here's the question and, and I think this is the, the biggest question of all when we realize that pride has a certain effect and this is the question do you want God to be with you or against you. If you want God to be with you, then we need to walk and live in dependence on him, recognising everything we have comes from him and relying on his righteousness and not our performance and not seeing ourselves in comparison to others, but seeing ourselves as saved and rescued by a saviour who loves us deeply. Why? Because God resists the proud. So pride, God resists. So if I want God to be against me, which would be stupid, I would cultivate pride and let pride run in my life. 
If I want God to be for me, then I know that he gives grace to the humble. So I want to walk and cultivate a humble heart. So when I see those things in myself and, and when we see those things in, in, the, in the body and when we see those things out there on social media and all, all that sort of stuff, we need to remember, do we want God to be with us or against us? Because I don't want God to be against us. I want him to with me, be with me. So I don't want to get in all that stuff. And I, if I pick myself uh, slipping into that stuff, I want to pull right back from it. And then what does he say? Let's, let's go on from there. Verse 9. Uh, never return evil for evil or insult for insult, avoid scolding, berating and any kind of abuse. But on the contrary, give a blessing, pray for one another's well-being, contentment and perfect protection. For you have been called for this very purpose so that you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being, happiness and protection. You know... If pride is the biggest problem we have in the body, I think that unforgiveness is probably the biggest problem we have as individuals who make up that body. And it's so, I think it's so easy to deceive ourselves, isn't it? You know, we cannot fail to forgive and at the same time believe we are a great Christian. Let me just say that again. We cannot fail to forgive and at the same time believe we are great Christians because they are contrary to each other. You know, I'm sure you've all heard that phrase, haven't you? That, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. And, and one of the reasons that we forgive when we're looking at the health of our soul, one of the reasons we forgive is we forgive for others. Sorry, we forgive for us. We forgive others for our own health. And that's just it's so important because unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. And unforgiveness has all sorts of other effects. And it, and it affects us in here so that we can't be whole out there. So if we look at what's happening out there, we can see if we're whole in here. And you know, one of the things that unforgiveness does is it, it disrupts our ability to fellowship with God. Now, I just want to be careful here because um, we all have open access to go before the throne of God in our time of need and get the help we need, get the grace we need. Uh, and that Jesus has paid for all our wrongdoings. The problem isn't that God is hiding or he's withdrawing or he's closing that off that access because we've got unforgiveness. The problem is if our heart is so different from God's who forgave even those who hated him, then when we're listening for God's voice, when we're listening for his direction, when we're listening for his counsel, when we're listening for his comfort or when we believe in him for answers to our prayers, it's like we're on a different wavelength and we can't hear and, and it's like this muffled, distorted voice is coming through and, we, and, and it, it disrupts our fellowship with God. Why? Not because God is, is, is any different, but because our, our unforgiveness has distorted our ability to hear him. We're saying, OK, God, I want your best, but I'm holding this that you are not coming in. 
you're not getting involved in. And that means we have no go areas in our life. We, we have no go areas of unforgiveness, offence, bitterness and so on. And, and Peter's saying that's really unhealthy when you see that manifesting. And, you know, we, we, because it's going to uh, distort your fellowship and disrupt your fellowship with God. So not only do we forgive for us, but we forgive for him so that we can get closer to him. And, the, and then the other thing that unforgiveness does is it gives ground to the enemy. And we, I don't want the enemy getting a foothold in my life. So we forgive again, we forgive for our benefit. And finally, one of the things that the world around us sees, remember Jesus said, this is how people know you're my disciple, if you've got love for one another. Well, what do people see if we've got unforgiveness, offence and bitterness for one another? Well, they don't, they, 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 they don't see God in us. They don't see us being aliens living in a, in a, in a world that's foreign to them. And, 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 and as a result, getting drawn to God, they get in a position where they look at us and they say, I don't want that God you've got, because actually in a lot of things, you're no better than me, and in some things, you're worse than me. And I think when, when Peter's uh, talking about this, he's, he's thinking about the words of, of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, um, verse 45 Luke chapter 6 verse 45 let's just go over there for a moment Luke chapter 6 verse 45 the good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored up in his heart and the evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. And that's just so important, isn't it? What the world is seeing of us is a reflection of the health of our heart. So when we observe those things that, that we're producing, it should give us a warning sign whether our heart is in a good state or an unhealthy state. And finally, this you know, that Peter comes on to this, and this is verse 12. So, well, yeah, verse 12. Um, well, I'll go for verse 10 to 12 because he's quoting a, a passage out of the Old Testament, Psalm 34. The one who wants to enjoy life and see good days. Now, here's the question. Do you want to enjoy life and see good days? I do. Good, whether apparent or not, must keep his tongue free from evil and his life from speaking guile, treachery and deceit. He's got to turn away from wickedness and do what's right. He must search for peace with God, with self and with others and pursue it eagerly, actively, not just desiring it, but pursuing it. For the eyes of the Lord look favourably upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. He is eager to answer, but the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil. And there we are again, there's those, those same phrases, those same ideas. So the fifth thing to, that we can watch for and say, well, is this, is this a sign that I'm healthy inside these watch what comes out of our mouth you know what you say is a good indication of what's going on inside of you it tells you your spiritual health so listen to what you say to be whole out there we need to be healthy in here so you want to know how spiritually healthy you are one of the the best things you can do is pay attention have a listen to what's coming out of your mouth because the, out of that, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so 
we want to see and hear what comes out of our mouth and that gives an indication of what is going on now so why is it that jesus wants us to to have have that health check to look at ourselves and to live in this way and you know look at reading that passage here's a question you know whenever i used to do uh, kind of business things when i used to give business presentation one of the things that people tell you always to do is to say what's in it for me because people want to know if they're going to buy off you if they're going to receive what you're saying if they're going to apply what you're saying they want to know what's in it for them and so here's the question what's in it for me to live like that what's in it for me to be healthy in here what's in it for me to look different from the world what's in it for me and here's, here's the thing is it okay to even ask that question now some of you have just said no but the, the truth is yes it is actually okay to ask that question in a very important sense because despite what's going on out there God wants you to be healthy in here so what's in it for you is health in here so that your life is a good life, a happy life, a peaceful life, a life of assurance, a life of confidence, a life of joy, despite what's going on out there. That's what's in it for us. That's what's in it for you. That's it, what's in it for you, me. And, you know, God wants us to enjoy life and he wants us to be at peace. You know, those verses say that directly, that what God actually wants us to have a good life and enjoy life and be at peace. And something else I find exciting is that he tells us that God's got his eyes on us listening for our faith-filled prayers so he can answer them. He wants us healthy inside so we can enjoy the benefits of our inheritance. That inheritance that Jesus paid for. The blessing and favour of God on our life. And the truth is, you know, if you're healthy inside, the more confident you're going to be in dealing with things out there in the world. Here's the big truth. God is always with us wherever we are. You know, God is there for you and he wants good for you. He wants health for you. He wants life for you. He wants peace for you. He's put his blessing and his favour on your life and he's given you an inheritance that Christ paid for in order to you for you to live healthy in an unhealthy world. And the truth is, and this, this verse, these verses remind us, whatever is happening around you, you are blessed. You know, let me... Let me just pick those verses up again and just take it slightly further. Because he, he goes on to say, even if it, this is verse um, 14, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, though it's not always certain that you will, you are still blessed. That is, you are still to be happy, to be admired, and you are favoured by God. So don't be afraid of their intimidating threats, uh, nor be troubled or disturbed by opposition. But in your heart, set Christ apart and give him first place, always acknowledging him. So he reminds us that we 
can live differently because the blessing and the favour of God is upon us. In the middle of our worst times, remember, we carry God's favour and God's favour makes a difference. It takes us through. It moves us beyond the opposition. It enables us to stand in the face of, of attack. It enables to live healthy in an unhealthy world. God is for us. He is with us, he is upon us, and he is in us. And God's plan is that people see us deal differently with things than people who don't know God. If they just see us dealing differently with the same as everybody else, if they don't see us loving each other, if they see us carrying offence, if they hear this stuff coming out of our mouth, what's the result? They don't want to know God. But if they see God in us, something powerful is going to happen. They're going to ask, why are you like that? Why are you like that when nobody else, when everybody else is behaving differently? And when they ask that, why are you like that? Be ready, Peter says, to give them an answer. Always be ready to give an answer. And here's the answer. I'm like this because I'm healthy inside. Because I know Jesus. And I know I'm loved. I know I have what I need. I know I'm blessed. I know I have hope. I know I have salvation. I know I have life. I have joy. I have a purpose. I have a mission. And I have a plan. And I'm not afraid. There's no fear here. I have peace inside. I am just passing through. And you can't touch me. This unhealthy world cannot touch me. Do you want to join me in that journey? So I'm going to invite you now. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not been making that journey, I'm going to invite you to make that journey with, with us and, and set out right now on that journey. So let, let's pray this prayer. Follow me. Father, just repeat the words after me. Father, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive me that I've been living this life without you. I choose to make you first place in my life. I put my trust in you. And I ask you to fill me and give me new life through your Holy Spirit. That your blessing and your favour will rest upon me. And I will have life and joy and peace in an unhealthy world around me. Amen. Amen, Faith Life. It's been so good to be with you again. Uh, the time when we can meet physically is approaching. It's getting closer. As I said earlier, look out for uh, some things coming up in the coming weeks of our plans for, for what we're thinking and how we want to move forward. Um, if you've got any comments you want to send us, any thoughts around that, God's been sharing stuff with us, with you, then, then send that in, email us. Uh, at the office and uh, just want you to know 
that God is always with you. He is always for you and his blessing and favour are always upon you. Amen, Faith Life. Amen, everybody who's watching this. Have a great week and see you again.